I'm going to do something similar to what I do with the kids and, and have a little bit of fun here too. And uh, when growing up, uh, one of my favorite TV shows on TV in South Africa was called Money of the Box. I don't know if you've had it here in Australia. It's a game show where there's a whole lot of boxes on the wall and a person comes and they choose a box number and then they get offered money uh, as an incentive to not take the prize inside the box. And uh, oh, so I used to love that show. It was, it was absolutely amazing. I used to, uh, we didn't have a TV in our home. Um, we used to run up to the uh, friends of ours at the end of the block and go and sit in their house and watch this program. And I loved it. So I thought this morning, yes, do, I'm not going to offer you money, simply because I don't think that um, I'd have enough to be able to entice you. So instead, we're going to have... The M&M's or the box? <laughs> so, I'm going to need three, three people to help me with this. Uh, you, you obviously got to like M&M's. If you don't like M&M's, that's not going to work. Um, I did this this uh, illustration at um, Beaconsfield at the at the Friday night youth uh, the youth club that got there, and it got to the last person, and um, I couldn't offer him enough M and M's because he just didn't like M and M's. So it actually fell flat on me, but that's okay. That's okay. Does anyone here who likes M and M's? I saw it coming up. No, not, not you. You. Yes, you. Come, come, come. No, no, come, 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 come. <laughs> I, need, I need two more people. Two more people. Stacey, come on. Oh, we, we know you're desperate for it. <laughs> one more. One more. Anybody else? Peter, come. Come on. Come back. Okay. All right. You, you were first. You've got a choice. Box one, two, or three. Okay. Well, they've got numbers. It's one, two, and three. I will go with number... Number three. Number, three. Oh, number one. That's number one. Wait. Hey, that's, that's number one, two, and three. Oh, okay. That's reverse order then. Yes, it's my order. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will go with number three. Number three, okay. Okay, just stand over there. Stacey? I'll go one. You're going one? You're going two. <laughs> right. Just 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 so that um just so that, that that to make it a little bit more interesting. Um this morning I asked uh, John for the keys of his car. And I thought, well, that might be a prize. Okay. John, John gave me the keys, and he said, he said there's half a tank of fuel, so you can drive away. All he wants is a lift home. Okay. Right? So, so you might be getting a new car today. Okay. No. <laughs> right. So box number one. That's you, Stacey. That's me. Right, okay. Right. Just, just, just so that you know that these are real, genuine, would you like to taste one? I'd love to taste one. <laughs> Pretty real. Pretty real? Yeah. Good? Good. Mm -hmm. Okay. How about how about I give you five smarties or the box? Um, I'd go five smarties. <laughs> <laughs> Too easy. Too easy. Too easy. Oh, take take five. Do I have to count them like <laughs> okay. just just so that you know just so that you know what you would have won. Sorry. Just to know what, what you would have won should you not have taken the Smarties. Uh -huh. Okay. Sretta, oh. <laughs> tonight. You can have a seat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, five smarties of the box. <laughs> oh, the box. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go to the box. Okay, ten smarties of the box. Mm. Wow. Yeah. What car did he drive in today? <laughs> 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 no, I just got the keys. Mm. <laughs> um, I'll still take the box. The box.
Ben bir ismi olsun zaten dostum. Mari. Sure, I can't offer you more. You sure you want the box? It, it, could, it could be two of those slabs in the box. That's alright. I'm not greedy. <laughs> you sure? There's still okay. more in the bowl. There's still more in the bowl, and I've got another bag. Oh. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want the box? <laughs> All right, I'll take the box. <laughs> There's another bottle. Wait, 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 wait. Just, just, just to entice you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Smarties or the box? So M&M's. They're better than Smarties. I'll take the box because my kids will end up eating them all anyway. Are you sure about yeah, that? Yeah, I'll take the box. 100% sure? Yep, last decision. Final decision. <laughs> Shall we see what's in the box? Yeah. <laughs> 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 have a seat. Oh, so there could, there could be a car in there. <laughs> okay, just just so in case the car keys. Good catch. <laughs> right. <laughs> Five smarties of the box. Ten smarties of the box. <laughs> that same cap equivalent. For the box. Are you sure about this? Yeah. You know there could be nothing in the box. This this cup of smarties are the box. You seriously want the box? Okay. <laughs> I just want to say, does anybody want some Smarties? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm giving you a final offer. One and a half cups of these Smarties. Now, just think of those lovely people that were sitting next to you. Okay. And the fact that you could share these around. Oh, sorry. M&Ms. You could share these beautiful M&Ms. Taste one. You, you know, you could actually give Stacy some on your way past. <laughs> A cup, full cup. Okay. Or the box. Oh, wow, what's going on? I don't know, there's just something about that box that's just um, open the right up. <laughs> okay, open the box and tell me what's inside. Get all the enemies in the box. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, you think? Go sit down. You're welcome to give Stacey some on the way. <laughs> right, so if anybody likes M&M's, he's got them all. I've got no more. <laughs> but I've got chocolate. Hey, Stacy. <laughs> you know, in life, and I maintain this full-heartedly, there's only two things in life where we do not have a choice. Okay. Two things. The first one being the circumstances, the place, the time, everything that revolves around our birth. We have no control over that. The second thing we've got no choice in is when not to die. 
Everything else in life, to some degree, however small it is, we have a choice. I hear the argument, what about a little baby? Baby can't choose anything. The baby's pooped itself. What does it do? Mums who's, who, mums are babies. It cries. It chooses to cry. The baby's hungry. It chooses to cry. Okay? Yes, there's circumstances around us that, that sometimes drive our choices. There's circumstances that define our choices. But ultimately, we have a choice. We can choose to do right. We can choose to do wrong. We can choose the box. And we could get the rewards. Or we could choose the Smarties and leave the chocolate for me. We have a choice. What defines the choices we make? I hear you. And I'm pleased you asked that question. <laughs> because um, this morning, I really want us to have a look at changing the way we think in order to guide our choices, in order to manage our life, in order to live a godly life. We need to not only learn how to make good choices, but also we need to learn how to grow closer to God and become more Christ-like in all the choices we make. Okay, 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 here we go. So I've entitled uh, this, the message this morning, You Pays Your Money, You Makes Your Choices. Yeah, we, we had a lecturer at, at college, and he always used to say that. You know, well, when you go to Bible college, you, you go there with a few questions. When you leave there, you've got more questions than you had when you went to Bible college. Because so often when we study God's Word, when we deep down into the depths of, of what God has to say to us, it, it, it lights up something inside of us to start questioning ourselves. It questions our beliefs, it questions who we are, it questions where we're going in life. And our lecturer always used to say, well, you pay your money for this course. You choose the direction you're going to go. So you, you pay your money to come to church. You can choose whether you want to listen to this or uh, be blessed and go over to Cornerstone where King Fish is speaking this morning. So, right. The passage we're going to base this on, uh, the sermon on this morning is do not be conformed by the pattern of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We, most of us know the, the, the NIV um, version of it. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And uh, God wants us to stop living the way that the world wants us to, the way the world dictates. It's amazing how dry your mouth, mouth gets when you stand up here. So God wants us to stop living the way the world wants us to live. Yeah? Okay? And, and the way he's going to stop us from living that way is going to be by changing the way we think. Changing our minds. He wants to revolutionize the way we live our lives by working out the right decisions to make in living our lives. God wants to manage our thought life. So often our thought life is dictated by our circumstances, as said before. So often our thought life is dictated by the things that are surrounding us, the pressures we're under, the, the, the worries, the concerns, the anxieties. But as, as Rick Warren says, he says that God is more, far more interested. God is far more interested in changing our mind than He's interested in changing our circumstances. Think about that for a minute. God is far more interested in changing our minds than He is in changing our circumstances. I know for myself, when things are tough, I go on my knees, Lord, change this for me. I don't need to live through this. It's not easy. It's not, it's not what I want to do. It's not where I want to be in life. 
These circumstances are difficult. They can be painful. But yes, these things are all important to God, and it is important that we bring these to God, and it is important that we, we entrust God with our circumstances. But you know what? God is far more interested and far more concerned with changing our mind and changing our circumstances. So why does God need us to change the way we think? I hear you ask that question again. I'm really pleased you asked it again. Because um, we're going to deal with that. Our thoughts controls the shape of our lives. See you, Stacy. Our thoughts control and shape our lives. Everything in life, everything we do, everything we say, everything we are, starts between our brain, between our ears, in our brain. Okay? Because if you don't think it, you don't do it. If you don't think it, you don't do it. And of course, this makes logical sense. It's like, duh, you know, ice cream. Yeah? But let's think about it. Good thoughts equates to good deeds. Bad thoughts equates to bad deeds. Good thoughts generates good things. Bad thoughts generates bad things. So our thoughts control and shape our lives. Verse there, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Proverbs 4 verse 23. Now the sad thing is, is that even if our thoughts are not true, when we start believing it, it becomes true for us. And we see this regularly at the, at the kids' camp. Where... All a child has heard is negative thoughts, negative thoughts. You're useless. You're worth nothing. You're worthless. You're clumsy. You're stupid. All you're worth to me is a sexual partner. (coughs) Now a child, in their formative years, they constantly hear these messages, they become that. Because for them, hearing it so regularly, they start living it out. Have you ever met someone who is a habitual liar? These people start lying so much that they actually start believing their own lies. So even if if the thoughts we have are not true, Even if they're not real, they can still shape the way we think, the way we live our lives. Secondly, our mind is a battleground for sin. Our mind is a battleground for sin. Now, now this this point, for me, it's it's... It's come almost as a revelation because we so often think, well, we, the battleground for sin and the battleground the spiritual warfare we have is out there. You're fighting against the powers of um, Hinduism, Islam, New Age, all these other false religions. We're fighting about cancer. But you know, for us as Christians in the church here today, our minds also is a battleground for sin. And why I say this is because, once again, if all our thoughts, all we are and all we do, starts in the brain, 
Temptation starts in the brain. All temptation starts in the mind. Let's just look at that concept for once. You're a rather large person like me. Okay? And if you are a rather large person like me, the chances are you're on a diet, or have been on a diet, or will be on a diet sometime in your life. I know, I've been on diets since I was four years old. And when you're on a diet, especially when you're on the diet, you walk past a cupcake shop, and you see that cupcake there. You're tempted. All that beautiful chocolate yumminess. Ah. Oh. The beautiful icing on top with the, with the sprinkles and the cherry. <laughs> Sorry, am I making you hungry? <laughs> You're tempted. You know what? That cupcake did nothing to you to tempt you. <laughs> Don't blame the cupcake. That's right. The temptation happened in the mind. When temptation happens in the mind, when we have a correlating desire for the thing we've been tempted with. So the warfare, the spiritual warfare, is in the mind. And the amazing thing about this is that Satan knows exactly where you are weak. And boy, is he going to take that carrot and dangle it in front of you. And unless you are right place, and unless you are in a right place, in your mind, you're not going to be able to deal with it. I said before, if there's no temptation, there's no desire. If there's no desire, there's no sin. For me, I have no desire to go out and party all night long, getting drunk, getting legless, and coming home and just sleeping off a hangover. I have no desire for that. Can Satan tempt me there? No. The Satan is not going to tempt you where you have no desires. Satan is not going to attack you where there is no correlating desire inside of you to take on whatever that sin may be, whatever that temptation may be. Because he knows that it's a waste of time. Let's look at a second form of why I say that the mind is a place, is a battleground. Anxiety, depression, pain, anger, bitterness, greed, envy. Where is that taking place? It's all up in the mind. All in the head. Now, if, 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 we're, dealing, if we're battling with that, you're not alone. Because Paul, in his letter to the Romans, says that, I love to do God's will, so far as my new nature is concerned. But there's something else deep within me, the correlated desire, that is at war with my mind, and wins a fight and makes me slave to sin within me. In my mind, I want to be God's servant. But instead... I find myself enslaved to sin. I think Paul here has a, a very clear picture that spiritual warfare is a constant thing that's happening inside our minds. And Satan is going to do everything in his power to try and take control of our thoughts and our minds.
Not only does Satan want to do it, but the rest of the world wants to do that. You just look at the media today. Everything in the media portrayed in advertising, on movies, celebrities, everything is about me, myself and I. How can I be the best for me? How can I win? How can I always get what I want? And they perceive that when you get all these wonderful things, you're going to have true happiness. If you get all of that, you get all what your mind desires. So we need to manage our life because, manage our mind, sorry, because it controls us and shapes our thoughts and it shapes our lives. We need to manage our thought life because the mind is a battleground for sin. And thirdly of all, We need to manage our thought life because it's the key to peace, life, and happiness. In your sinful, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. A lot of people think that they cannot control their minds, they cannot control their thoughts. You know, the truth is, is that we can. Yes, there's a lot of influencing factors around us. Yes, there's, um, Satan is doing everything to try and control our, our thoughts and mind. But God has given us a free will. And we can choose to adhere to those temptations. We can choose to adhere to those negative thoughts. We can choose to adhere to whatever has been offering before us. Or we can choose not to. That is our choice. You pay your money, you make your decision, your choices. You know that Satan cannot control your mind. He has a scary thought. God doesn't control your mind. You control your mind. Satan doesn't control it. God doesn't control it. You control it. And it's very important to understand this because haven't you heard so often the person has said to you, I didn't choose to sin. Satan made me do it. Why do you give Satan the credit for something that you chose to do? You know, he doesn't deserve any credit. There's no point in giving Satan credit for the, the sinful desires that you have. No point in giving Satan the credit for, for, for the negative actions you've done. He doesn't deserve it. So don't blame him. After all, you can choose to flick the channel on the TV. You can choose not to go to that website. You can choose not to go into the cupcake shop and buy the cupcake. I suppose it's not buying the cupcakes, it's the sin, it's the eating it. So how do we take or get the Holy Spirit to take control of our minds? I hear you ask the question again. <laughs> and I'm so pleased you asked it. I'm going to give us three choices that we can make on a daily basis that will help us control our choices. Number one, feed your mind with truth. Free your mind from destructive thoughts and focus your mind on the right things.
Look at this first one. Free, feed your mind with truth. People need to be more. People need more than bread for life. They must feed on the word of God. Matthew 4.4. I mean, that, that, that's the obvious one. We're told so often from a young age, read your Bible, pray every day. Hey, I did start singing. Wow. <laughs> it's the mic. I blame it on the mic. I'm sorry for your ears. But, but we teach our kids that. We teach it from a young age. When we come into church, the first thing people say to you when you become a Christian is get a Bible and start reading it. Start looking into the Bible. Start exploring Scripture. You know, get your five minutes first thing in the morning. And you set up for the day. And you know, as, as a computer programmer um, at work, often I find myself in a situation where one of the, the people who uses the computer system where I've written the programs comes to me and says, Peter, that report you've given me, the data's wrong on it. Totally messed up. It's not right. My first question to them was, did the report work yesterday? Yes. Was it okay? Yes. Okay. I'll go look at the code. Now, none of the code has changed since yesterday until today. So the report must be right. No, it's not. It's not the adamant. The report is not right. And then when I have to go in deep and delve deeper into why they think the report is not right, 100% of the time, and I've yet to find a time when it's not 100% of the time, then it's maybe 99% of the time, but it is not the report that is wrong. It's the data that has come into the computer that has been messed up. The data is corrupted. It's Rita's fault. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But do you see the points I'm trying to make here? Junk in, junk out. Feed your mind with junk. You're going to live a junk life. You know the Bible has more than 7,000 promises. 7,000 promises. Now if we took one of those promises and applied it to our life every day, it's going to take 7,000 days. Okay, and if you take it 365 days a year, it's almost 20 years of promises that we need to absorb so that we can grow, so that we can control our minds. Okay? It is something that God has blessed us with. And you know, if we put these good promises constantly into our minds, good in, good out. Same thing with our bodies. I mean, Paul, a few weeks ago, said in his sermon that, that he had changed his whole diet. And that whole diet change was revolutionary to him because it saved his life. He took out all the junk and he put in all the good. And he's now living a life. Reasonably okay, Paul? Very well. Okay? There you go. Junk in, junk out. Feed your minds with truth and the 7,000 promises of God and you have a positive basis for making good, godly choices. Now David, in the Bible, we, we, most of us know that he, he was actually a, a, a man after God's own heart. He loved God. And for him to articulate what he had important the word of God in his life was, he put into the Psalms. Just feed my mind with truth. Okay? I rise early and I cry out for help. And put my hope in your words. Then in the middle of the day, Lord, I love you, love your word. I think it about all day long. Even the darkest of nights, your teachings fill my mind. 
So I want to actually encourage you that feeding on God's Word is not that five minutes quiet time that we've always been told to have. Feeding on the Word of God is far more than that. It's taking what we have read in that five minutes, it is pondering on it, it is experiencing it, it is living it, it is thinking it, it is breathing it, it is absorbing it, so that it becomes a real part of you. Back in South Africa, um, oh, I'm getting that old, it's about 28 years ago, um, I did a short-term missionary stint, for want of a better term, um, amongst the Basutu people. Now, Lesotho is one of the few countries in the world where the whole country is contained within another country. I think it's only the Vatican's the other one. Now, in South Africa, you've got the Drakensberg mountain range, and the Basutu call it the, the, the Maloti mountain range. But one thing that, that resonated with me when I was there was the African people, they would take a song. And maybe the song was one or two lines of words, and they would repeat it over and over and over and over and over and over again. They could go on for half an hour singing two lines of words. And, and this boggled me because, because me being the type of person I am, and, and, and you can ask my kids this, because if they sing a song more than twice in one day, boy, does it irritate me. But the African people do this, and, that, and when, when I ask the question, why? They say there's a simple reason. It's taking the head knowledge and transferring it and making it heart language. It comes back to what we said earlier on. When you start believing it, when you hear it so often that it becomes part of you, you start living it. And just like a child who is given all those negative thoughts, turns up to be a negative person, so too are we, when we put, pump ourselves full of God's word and God's promises, we become a positive person. And that's something we try and do often with the Southern Cross Kids Camp. And as Christine said, you know, we just want to love on these kids. We want to show them that they are worth something. We want to show them that they are Amazing, beautiful creations that God has made. I've said this to, to, to our kids so often. You know, you are worth something because God doesn't make any junk. God made you as a child in my image, in his image. We are the image of God. And God does not make any junk. Right, so we move on. So I must feed my mind with truth. Very important. Secondly of all, I must free my mind of destructive thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, Take captive of every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We seriously need to feed our, free our minds from these destructive thoughts because when we have constant destructive thoughts in our mind, we become a prisoner to those thoughts. And if we are not delivered from those negative, destructive thoughts and those harmful lies, we're going to start living that out in the decisions we make. And, and it is very difficult, I find it very difficult, to free my mind from destructive thoughts. I'll be very honest with you. Because we have three enemies when it comes to doing that. First of all, we have the flesh. Every one of us is born or is grows up and has a sinful nature. 
That's who we were. That's who we were before we became a Christian. We had that sinful nature. Now, that sinful nature has not gone as much as we'd like it to be. Yes, we've been transformed. We've been made new in Christ. But we still have that sinful nature, those sinful desires. We also have the devil who fights against every positive thought we have got. The devil constantly takes these destructive thoughts and puts them in our minds. Think about it. You committed a sin 20 years ago. Well, some of you are not 20 years old. Okay? Let's say five years ago. You repented of that sin. You received forgiveness. Three years down the line, you get reminded of that sin. All those emotions, those feelings of guilt, those feelings of anger, the feelings of, of bitterness towards yourself for doing what you did, comes up again. Satan's game. I got victory. I got victory. And then we also have this constant barragement of the world where the world dictates and says, take care of number one. Yeah. You've got to be the best you can, make the most money you can, enjoy life the best, the, the, to the fullest, no matter what. As long as you're not hurting anybody else, you're okay. It's all right. Does any of that ring true to you? Seriously, rings true to me. The other biggest enemy in our brains, Mark spoke about this a few weeks ago when, when he preached, or when he, when he spoke about how we need to forgive others. And he said that if you haven't got any forgiveness, if you haven't. Start again. Mark said that if there's anybody in this room, that you haven't forgiven, you need to get up and go and forgive them. Because if they've done something against you, that unforgiveness is going to be a barrier, not only for you as an individual, but for the church as a whole. You want to see how Satan's going to take unforgiveness and destroy your thoughts? Don't forgive somebody. You want to see how Satan's going to do that even more powerfully? Don't forgive yourself. Because when you don't forgive yourself, you've always got that negative thought inside your brain. You've always got that barragement of, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm useless. Don't let Satan have a stronghold over you by harboring unforgiveness inside of you. We need to free our minds from destructive thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 says, Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And my notes have gone haywire. Right, free our mind from destructive thoughts. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to action. And then evil actions lead to death. Interesting terminology that has come through in this passage. And I want to say the key word here is the word lure. How many of you are fishermen? Anybody? 
If you put a normal hook, just a plain hook, on the end of a fishing line and throw that in the water, how many fish are you going to catch? None. But a good fisherman knows which lure to use to catch which fish. The same lure that's going to catch you a nice piece of cod is not the same lure that's going to catch a barramundi. And you know, when, when you get the right lure and you throw it into the water, and often, often these lures are very sparkly, wonderful, beautiful things, and you throw it in the water and uh, Mr. Fish is going to go, Whoa, what's that? And going to go take a little look. Going to go and check out what this, this lure is all about. And 10 to 1 is going to take a bite on it. Now Satan uses those kind of lures to attract us. They're always going to be the attractive ones. They're always going to be the right ones for the right sins. Now there's three lures in our lives that we need to watch out for. We want to conquer this whole thing of controlling our minds. We need to understand how Satan works and what lures he's going to throw in front of us to take us captive. The first lure, and this is probably the most powerful lure, it's the desires. Our own evil desires. If there's no desire, I said this earlier on, there's no temptation. But the difficult thing is that Satan takes our natural desires. I have a natural desire for food. In fact, I don't have a natural desire for it. I have a natural need for it. If I don't eat, I die. But the desire of that cupcake. That cupcake. We have a natural desire for sex. It's a God-given desire. We have a natural desires that are inside of us that is God-given. But when they are taken and walked to perceive that the more you get of it, the better your life's going to be. Let God give us a desire to have sex outside of marriage. Let God give us the desire to, to go onto the computer and download all the pornography that there is. Probably taking many years these days. But did God give us that desire? No. But Satan, Satan's taken that natural desire which is God-given, twisted it, warped it, bent it, did whatever he could to do it, and gave it back to you. said, yeah, that cupcake is so good. And he's going to come in the most subtle ways and he's going to present those desires to you that you have naturally in a way that makes it more attractive the more you have. And then it becomes an unhealthy desire. Satan will then come along and he'll start putting doubt in your mind. He'll present the desire to you, like, like I did with, with, with the M&M's. I presented chocolate, free chocolate, to whoever was willing to come up here. I placed desire in you. We all know that chocolate's not good for us. We all know it's full of uh, sugars and fats and colors and artificial flavors and artificial e-numbers. And yes, they're all yummy, but we know that's not good for us. But hey-ho, as soon as I said chocolate it up, I'll do it. 
Then I started trying to put doubt in their minds. Do they want the few little smarties or what they want in the box? Yeah? We had that doubt process. And we, we, we see this throughout Scripture. Going right back to the Garden of Eden. Yeah? God made this beautiful paradise. Most amazing place in the world. All the food you could want that was healthy for you. No smarties, no artificial colors. <laughs> hey, all the food you want, no clothes, no children, what a better life. What on earth did they think? What were they thinking? But Satan came along and he started putting doubt in his mind. Did God really say that you're going to die if you eat of that fruit of the tree of knowledge of life? Did he really say that? Come on. Come on. He didn't say that. He knows that you're not going to die. He just knows that you're going to be as clever as he is. Satan put that doubt in his mind. Presented with the desire of having the same knowledge of God. And put doubt that God's word is not true. Once we've got that far, the next step is deception. Satan then comes along and we believe the lie that he's given us. Once we've been deceived and we start believing that lie, we ultimately fall. And what began in the mind was just a thought ends up in sin. I said this from the start, we are free to make our own minds up. We are free to make our own decisions. We are free to make our own choices. This is a God-given right. But unfortunately, and this is the part where we have to realize, that if we do sin, there are consequences. There are consequences. Adam and Eve were banished from the garden and they had to have children. They had to have children. Think about it. David and Bathsheba There were consequences for his actions. He was a man after God's own heart. But because he fell for that lie, there were consequences. The understanding where the temptation is, where the desires are, understanding how it works, is also going to help us understand how to deal with it. No, no, time is running. Oh, time is running out. I'm going to go through this very quickly. The last one. Focus our minds on the right things. Keep your mind on Christ, 2 Timothy. I find for me very helpful that when making choices, in making that choice, I always say to myself, if Jesus was making that choice, what would he choose? Now, I have my own mind, I have my own circumstances, and obviously choices I make revolve around that. But if we, in our choices, we focus on what Jesus has for us, what Jesus has planned for us, and how he would choose for us, I think that's a huge step into making the right choices. Secondly, let's jump too far. Well, no. 
Secondly, that's right, yeah. So, secondly, think about others. Think about Jesus. Think about others. Don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too. Now, the whole world bombards us. Think about number one. Do what's right for me. But the Bible teaches, the whole Bible teaches, everything we have, all that we are, is not for us. It's for us to give to others. All we have received from Christ is not for our good, not for our benefit. It's for us to benefit others. I come from a church in South Africa where the pastor had a brilliant philosophy. He said that a church is an every member ministry. Everybody in the church has a responsible, important role to play in the ministry of the church. And his philosophy is no one person in the church should have two jobs if there's a person on the backside warming up the pews who does not have one. If you want to grow in your spiritual life, if you want to grow as a Christian, start serving. I used to run these holiday clubs where a lot of the teenagers would come and help out uh, during a school holiday. We'd take kids and we'd have games and things like that. I'll tell you what, the biggest growth you would see there is the teenagers who have come along, many of them who weren't even actually committed Christians at the time. But because when they started serving others and seeing the blessing of giving, they received the blessing of love, peace, hope, joy, all those wonderful things. So I'd like to encourage each one of you. God has put you in this church, in this body, for a purpose. And if you're not doing something to generate something for somebody else, get involved. If you come to church every Sunday morning thinking, I'm going to receive from God this morning, it's going to be so awesome, that's what I'm here for, that's my purpose here on Sunday, go home. Because yes, you're going to receive from God, but the purpose of coming to church is not to receive, it is to give. You come to church on a Sunday morning and you didn't receive anything from the sermon, anything from the service, my first question to you is, what did you put in? You didn't put anything into that service. Why the heck do you deserve to get anything out? We are here to serve. God has given us a purpose-driven life to serve other people. You want to make the right decisions? Start giving of yourself to others. And I tell you what, you're going to be so much more blessed giving to others than you are coming here on a Sunday and receiving from God. Because God gives to you more and more when you, receive, you give more and more to others. In fact, the Bible says that God gives you gifts to serve others. And if you don't use those gifts, He's going to take it away and give it to somebody else. And you can sit there in the bum and warm the pew every Sunday morning. That's okay. That is your choice. That is a decision you have made consciously. It comes back to that whole purpose of not worrying about number one, not worrying about me, myself, and I, and what I can get out of life. Coming back to the thing, what can I give? We need to become every member ministry, be part of an every member ministry church. Thirdly and finally, we need to think on eternity. If we have our focus on what God has for us, what God is waiting for us, and I'll put that up there, okay? What God has in store for us when we get to heaven, that there alone, should be enough to drive our thought pattern. How little, how minuscule is my life here on earth in relation to what God has planned for me? How small a part of life am I giving up? That self-pleasure, that self-indulgence, that cupcake. To receive a whole cake and more when I get to heaven. We need to be cake focused, not cupcake focused. That's small. Be focused on the big things in life eternity. A few years on earth with a little bit of pleasure, or eternity in heaven with enormous amount of pleasure. What guides your thoughts? What guides your decisions? 
How do you make the right thoughts? How do you make the right decisions? Focus on Jesus. Give to others. And see what God has in store for you in eternity. Let's pray together. Father, it's only by your grace that we can say thank you. That we do have a way out of our own minds and choices that we make. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given us a, a road to follow, to be free. I pray for each one of us sitting here this morning, Lord, that by your grace, by your power, you would work inside of us so that we can free our minds from the things of this world and that we can grow closer to you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.